Welcome back to The Experience. I'm Warren Rustborough. And I'm Dirk Bradley. After a narrow escape from a horde of ravenous, corpsified caretakers, Team Gold Dragon takes a knee. At the top of a dungeon stair with a stack of stiffs scratching at their only exit, the dragon really stepped into this one, and no amount of welcome mats will scrape the droppings off the team's collective boots. They overextended themselves and didn't clear the space to leave an easy means of escape. They better hope for a miracle, because tiptoeing through these tulips could end with their tender toes between two lips. In other news, champion-ranked Ringer, a Kiltus Bumble Brew, and the Wild Company's Spark Spell Puncher are taking a brief sabbatical from the battle axis to deal with an unknown personal issue. Meanwhile, the company's left with limited options for champion-ranked Ringers that fit their team dynamic. And speaking of team dynamic, the hero team Transient Exiles is gearing up for action as the next battle axis quest will be theirs. With the recent meta hit to top frontliners, will the hero team be able to change with the times and put together a new strategy? Or are the exiles to be transient in name only? You know, Rusty, my dad says transients are a stain on society. I wonder why a team would want to be called that. Dirk, transient means temporary or impermanent. Oh. I always thought it was someone who drank wine for breakfast and yelled questions at passing horses. It's the most important meal of the day. As our adventurers near the end of their rest, a brief recap. The walls of the battle axis opened upon a decrepit mass. Our noble players, not wishing to assume the worst of their unwitting hosts, took a stealth approach to their infiltration of the homestead. After being stumbled upon by an unwitting house servant, the team set about unraveling the mysteries of a strange jar puzzle. A series of sinister spells and journals written in the homeowner's own hand revealed the secrets to the task, but not before they were set upon by the staff. A narrow success in handling the puzzle yielded a secret passage and an avenue of escape for our novice adventurers. What horrors lie beneath this necromantic manor? We're about to find out. It's all downstairs from here. You all stand at the top of the dimly lit staircase. Corpses batter themselves against the other side of the wall, trying desperately to get to you. Halifon. Yes? Penny turns around, and there's a wet, severed finger stuck to the front of her dress. Did you throw a finger at me? Uh, yes, I did. I did that because I thought that you needed bone to open the jar. I had it taken care of, Hal. Very rude to give someone the finger. <laughs> well, you should tell that to the gentleman I took the finger from. Let's let's just let's just finish this. Uh, Gaspar, the head. Uh, that's fine. Yes, Hal. I have I have a question. Um, can I heal you? Yes, you can. All right, I wasn't sure if the nature of your affliction prevented that, but uh, I put a hand on Gaspar's shoulder and you I... Can, you can touch the stump. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that, that's a bit forward, I think. <laughs> I think I'll leave your angry inch alone, thank you. I go ahead and lay on hands Gaspar for eight hit points. Excellent. Leaving what, me with two in my pool. What's that put you at? That puts me at full HP. Nice. 17. Well, none of you have sustained any significant injury. And as far as you can tell, none of you are in any immediate threat. 
I almost takes a moment to uh, wrap some linen around his gaping hand wound. <laughs> Self-administered, of course. Sure. Do you want me to take care of that one, too? I think it was very good leadership for you to heal, Gaspar. Our resources are somewhat limited, and who knows what lies beyond these stairs. Uh, keeping our magical arsenal fully stocked seems intelligent. Yeah, that's been my experience. Uh, this is pretty replenishable, and... Uh... God only knows what's down here at the end of the big corridor we had to open an elaborately locked door to find. I don't think we have enough time to rest for a bit and let me properly heal the wound, but we can do that later. Yeah, I'd rather not. It seems that whatever's afflicting this place is causing uh, these poor corpses reanimated now to suffer eternally. Perhaps when we find out what lies at the bottom of these stairs and set right whatever wrongs have befallen this manor, we can free their souls to a place of peace. How do you think we know when we've finished our quest? Well, I think that it's intentional they didn't tell us based on the air of mystery involved with all the other lack of precautions. Um, perhaps we'll just know. All right. That's a bit cryptic, but we'll take it. Speaking of cryptic, I think we're going into a basement now where there are dead things. As you proceed down the stairway, you can see all along the floor what looks like a snail trail of blood and bodily humors, now long dried. The sense of foulness that you felt above is far greater here, though the smell is somewhat abated, replaced instead with a powerful, cloying stench of old earth and molds. The staircase comes to a hallway, in which you find six locked jail cells. The small beds at the back of the rooms are blood-stained, and there do seem to be some miscellaneous possessions inside. Most infirmaries don't have bars on the doors. Most infirmaries are not built behind a secret door, but it does not look like anybody has been here very recently. It may be beneficial to explore these areas, though, and find out more about what's down here. May I try to pick a lock? Please, go ahead and roll me... Hell's rolling. Hey, guidance. <laughs> or is there a convenient key ring? Nope, no convenient Dang, key ring. Come on. Oh my God. Why am I all ones and twenties and threes? <laughs> That's a natural 20 with plus two guidance. No shit. Uh, yeah. Hey. So 27? I'm going to go ahead and say that it takes you a little bit of time, but you manage to unlock every door. Inside, in aggregate, you find... Various possessions, personal bags and things like that. Most of them would seem to have belonged to peasants. You find a collection of maybe 25 gold worth of personal currency. But in the last cell, you find something else entirely. There is a skeleton here, long since desiccated. And they seem to be equipped like an adventurer. Hang on, just just a second, Gaspar. Uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to make sure that that... Uh bloke that old that old skilly boy doesn't decide he wants to stab us as soon as we let him out <laughs> i'm just gonna do a little bit of divine sense excellent you do in fact sense necromantic magic coming from it though not much however beyond it beyond the wall that stands before you you can feel a powerful beacon of unholy energy all right uh Good news and bad news, team. Uh, the skeleton is not undead, but it is a bit necrotic. 
but on the other side of that wall right there, something has definitely been desecrated. Definitely. Do you see an LUQ bracelet? Do I? To your eyes, there's nothing that signifies this as a luck adventurer. I don't see one. Why don't we have a look? We take a closer look after I pick that lock. Which one of you is leading? Because there's only enough room for like two people, if that. Gaspar will lead. Gaspar, as you get closer, you can feel the energy he was talking about. Ever so slight. This skeleton isn't sold. Mm -hmm. Okay, that is quite odd. What are you saying in there? What have you found? I have somewhat of a sixth sense about this, but the soul of this person is bound to the skeleton. The soul does not usually stay with a dead body for that long. So tired. Going to like put a like one, you know, like one finger over towards Ayavos. Whoa, give me one second. This soul is is a loud one. I'm going to pick up the head. Is it still connected to the spine, brainstem? When you try to pull on it, there does seem to be some magical unity that holds the skeleton together, but it's faint, like weak magnets. I'm going to take my severed head, the skeleton head, so left hand, my dwarf head, right hand, the skeleton head, and I'm going to bring them both kind of towards my stump and just have a three-way conversation. I can bring you to a place of rest. There is no rest here. It will be far from here. There you will find rest. I did not trust him. And nor should you. I will try to say it as quietly as possible. Don't worry. I haven't trusted anyone in a long time. And then I twist with my right hand, severing the skull from the spine, and then stow that safely away. Okay. I, Iavos, do you think that uh, we could risk a little bit of light? It's just occurred to me. I don't know if you can see very well down here. I've just been following the sounds of your footsteps, so I can't tell what's happening, but it seems quite risky to put a light out. Well, I can tell you that Gaspar just ripped the head off of the skeleton and then put the skeleton in his pocket. So maybe you're not missing that much. It's a little disturbing. Well, I think later is the time and place to ask questions about that. Gaspar, after you've pilfered the most valuable artifact here, you go through the rest of the possessions. What you find is a single ring, 25 more gold, and a belt. These may or may not be magical, if not, maybe still valuable, as I'm holding up the uh, belt and ring. Well, I mean... If they have any magical properties, I can ascertain them at a later time. Did you say that you wanted a, a light, Ayavos? On the surface, yes, I would like a light, but for the sake of our safety, it may be dangerous. While the light is low, it's barely enough to see by. You can see general shapes, where walls are, basic objects... But those of you with dark vision see clear as day. I'm all right for now. Should I need it, I can manifest my own light source. Very good then. Will, let's push on then, I guess. 
You return to where you came from, where the hallways split, and continue forward. There is a door in front of you. Below it, there is a little bit of light, and the door is slightly ajar. Both from nerves and from attempting to be very quiet, Iavos's hand is just over his mouth. I shall lead the stealthy way. Okay. You peek your head in, and you find what looks like a laboratory. Alembics, Athener, all sorts of bizarre contraptions and items. And in the very center of the room is a very large surgical table, heavily stained with old, dried blood. On the table, you also find another note. I will stealthily go up to it, try not to disturb the room too much, and then bring the note back to Ayavos. Does this look like the same handwriting as the above journal? In fact, you now realize that all of the spells were written in a different hand. Similar, but different. Yeah, this is one of the spells, it looks like. Indeed. An honest answer from a dead man. Find a corpse in a state of rigor mortis, the top of which is most desirable. A minimum of two and no more than sixteen hours dead. Place a morsel of food upon the lips of the deceased. Meat yields a more robust result. Write your question upon a piece of parchment or vellum. Place it folded in the dominant hand of the deceased. This is important, as placing it in the non-dominant hand will yield only lies. Using a blade not of steel, brass, for greatest effect, cut the masseter on either of the corpse's jaw. Your question will be answered in detail appropriate to that in which you perform your spell. A strange ritual indeed, similar to spells that I have studied in the past, but different. Sounds much more forceful. Than taking someone's entire hand off? Oh, no, then just normally speaking to the dead. Oh, yeah, that's definitely true. The incantation that I have read of in the past does not guarantee any kind of truth or lie. Simply a weak answer. This seems to have a bit more control over the facts behind their words. Assuming you know what their dominant hand is. A sinister question indeed. I wonder what that table was used for. Probably for surgery. I have seen a few like it. I look questioningly at your stump and at the dwarf head and don't say anything else. I've never been in any place like this. I'm going to kind of examine the medical table too. Mm-hmm. It's quite large. Perhaps for multiple bodies. Would you give me a nature or medicine check? <laughs> a medicine, please. Mm-hmm. A guidance. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. That is an 18. Excellent. At first glance, you can tell that somebody has been here not too terribly long ago. The dried blood is definitely caked on, but there's a top layer that seems like it's maybe been there for a couple of days. Mm. More importantly, you note that all of these blood stains, which you can expect to just kind of be there as if a pool of blood, instead look as if whoever was making them at the time was thrashing about. There's a great deal of violence involved in whatever happened on this table. And it's too fresh to be less than cautious around. At that, if it's okay, Hal's going to move to the doorway mm-hmm. and just kind of watch the hall while these guys are checking out the room. I like that. That is very, very disturbing. What else is in this room? You do see at the far end of the room what looks like a small door in the wall. Thus far, doors have been Gaspar's speciality. It's like a little door little door you'd say about two feet wide by two feet tall you could say adorable (laughs) (laughs) Mm, nice 
quiet door opening procedure. You come up to it, and as soon as you put your hand on it, you can pretty much tell exactly what it is. It's a dumbwaiter. You open the dumbwaiter, and inside is a small platform on which you can put things. And then there is a what looks like a mechanism designed to move to the second or first floor. Inside, you see a set of fine silverware and a plate of food that has not been eaten. You see a piece of meat of uncertain history and simple vegetables and a mash. This appears to be the dumbwaiter. There is inedible food, but it does not look like he was eating. And then I pocket the silverware. (laughs) (laughs) Just dumps the food on the floor and takes the serving tray. Just food in here. Yeah. (laughs) What a rogue. Beautiful. It's getting split up. And as you exit the room, you can all start to feel that powerful necromantic energy bleeding through the wall, coming from all around you. I still don't like being surrounded by all this desecration. If I had more magic at my disposal, I would incite another spell to protect myself. But I fear I will need that for other things. You're telling me? Let's just find the source of this quick before I start thinking it's the whole house. (laughs) I will do my best to stand in Hal's shadow. To the next door. At least the smell is much better down here, eh, Penny? Oh, yes. This is much preferable to the upstairs... And as you say that, almost in a kind of divine justice, Gaspar opens the door and you smell coming from inside a massive waft of old rancid flesh, like a body unwashed. Why? Why every time? Every time? (laughs) Inside, you see a large necromantic symbol in the center of the room, heavily stained with blood and tissues liquefied fat and other materials at the far end you see a large pile of blankets and pillows that gently moves as though breathing i think i'm just gonna go ahead and use my less divine sense right now that's all right now that i have clear line of sight into the room before you lies a creature of undeath i don't want to alarm anyone and this probably doesn't come as much of a surprise but uh that pile of rags over there? It's undead. We should probably do something about it. Gaspar gets behind Hal. That's not exactly what I meant, but all right. Pulls out his crossbow. Bitter. Starts loading it. Anybody else want to do anything? I'm peering over Hal's shoulder and absorbing the construction of the necromatic symbol, trying to ascertain its properties. What you're noticing is it's very technical. It doesn't seem to follow the more abstract or esoteric magics that you're used to, which might explain the very procedural nature of the spells you've seen. In the circle itself, you see a lot of directional symbols pointing to X or Y or Z. You see a lot of logic gates suggesting that if this, then that. This kind of thing you're very familiar with when dealing in mathematics and logical philosophy. But in magic, this is not very common. Hmm. How how sneaky are you guys going to try to be? As sneaky as a heavily armored paladin is capable of being. That's what I thought. So, with that in mind, Penny takes her place uh, behind the party and readies her flute in anticipation of what's about to come. Permission to bonk? All of the other undead we encountered here were quite intelligent. Almost reasonable. 
All right. Well, damn, he makes a good point. I'm going to cast the light cantrip on the blade of my glaive and confidently enter the room. More or less in the same motion. As you enter the room, the pile of blankets shifts suddenly, and from it crawls a young man. He is deeply pale, almost as though exsanguinated. He has a mop of dirty, curly hair. He's covered in blood, and he begins to crawl towards you. This man is not undead. Please, please, please kill him. Please kill him. I don't... I regret it. I won't do it. I won't touch it again. Never again. Just, 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 just. I'll live here as long as you need me to. Please, sir. Madam, I will do whatever it takes. Come to us quickly. He tries to crawl, but he's feeble with blood loss. He flops onto his back, and you see a dagger protruding from his liver. Yet he still tries to weakly pull himself away from the blanket. Hal, bring him to me, please. The undead thing that I sensed was in the pile of blankets, right? Mm-hmm. All right. I will step forward kind of on guard, not taking my eyes off of the blanket, and reach out a hand to try and grab this guy's hand and pull him closer. I'd like to help. I'd like to point my crossbow at the blankets. As you begin to pull on the young man, you hear another voice. You will not take him from me. He is essential to my purposes. I will allow you to go if you leave him here. You see a hand emerge, old and tired, grabbing the young man by the ankle. Gaspar is going to shoot the hand holding the ankle. Give me an attack roll, please. Is it a 1 or a 20, Angelo? It's not a 1 or a 20, believe it or not. <laughs> but it is a 21 total. Oh, wow, nice. Ow. <laughs> and the man whose ankle his hand is holding screams bloody murder as the crossbow bolt moves through the hand into him. Please, please, I beg you. Don't, don't. Yeah, okay, I got it now. All right, all right. Do you believe I would be so foolish as to grant you asylum and a deal if I was not capable of destroying you of my own power? It does seem foolish that you don't just do that. I would rather not have the mess. I need to sleep, and I cannot sleep. I have tried so long, so hard to sleep, and it is the last step. The last step for what? Freedom. I want all of you to roll initiative. The team is about to face off against the great uncle and Nepet, his nasty novice necromancer. It would appear our team has interrupted the final stages of some dark ritual. We're here with EXPN's arcane specialist, Aspen Vancast. This arcana is like nothing we've seen before. What are we looking at here, Aspen? You're right to be curious, Warren. This is unusual stuff. 
For starters, the ovoid nature of the circle denotes a spell designed to stretch space and time. The gating symbols suggest considerable complexity and a commensurate intelligence on the part of the caster, who has to be extremely confident in his focus and skill. Basically, when you perform a ritual, you use symbols and objects to act as placeholders for ideas that you normally would have to keep in your head. But sometimes these symbols get fuzzy and the spell's a little different each time. He's leaving nothing to chance, but also nothing to interpretation. This great uncle is looking for exact results. To leave it all in a logical format like this shows some big brains at work. Either this great uncle's an archmage in necromancy, or he's had some help from someone who is. And if you had to guess at the intent? Well, unfortunately, spells and their casters are unique, and given how little of this ritual is symbolic, I really couldn't say. But if this guy's personality is any indicator, I'd say it's not good. I hope they let me get the raw divination for this quest. I'd love to get a closer look. I'm sure that can be arranged. Thank you, Aspen, for that fascinating interpretation. You know, Rusty, I dabbled a bit in magic myself. Is that so? Well, few things empower the mind and spirit like tapping into the primordial mana and channeling one's will into tangible phenomena. What was your focus of study? I would assume evocation based on your outward intentions and what the network executives call in-your-face attitude. But I could see a glimmer of enchantment in there. I mostly stuck to cards and interlocking rings since the animals wouldn't play ball. I don't know what I expected. I expected my money back from mail-order magic, but apparently Thaddeus the Great was just some transient transmuter in a two-piece. You can only get pecked in the face by so many milk pigeons before wondering if you're cut out for the big hat. I think those are called doves, Well, whatever they are, those bitey bastards punch way above their CR. A charming anecdote. And we'll have the anecdote for what ails you right after these words from our sponsors. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine 
coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Deeper, deeper, Fitzpatrick. We're almost there. Good, good. Open it up. Oh, no. What is it? This coffin's already been ransacked. Nothing here but worm farts. Not again. Where am I going to get the bodies I need for my ritual of animation with such short notice? You need dead bodies and you need them fast. We've all been there. Well, don't go breaking your back digging up graves and hauling rotting corpses around. Let us do the heavy lifting. Here at Postmortem, we have the best customer service to help you find the dead bodies you're looking for. And they get shipped right to your door with expedited shipping options for next day delivery. Don't ask where we got them. Just tell us what kind you need and how many. I'll take ten. Can one of them be a pretty girl? Oh, Fitzpatrick. <laughs> Postmortem. Corpses by mail. Post, as in mail. And mortem, as in dead stuff. It's a good joke. Call today. Hey there, all you cuties. I see you've made it to the middle of the episode. Finding your way out is the real puzzle. <laughs> eh, just kidding. I never get tired of saying that we owe a huge debt of gratitude to our amazing fans. Those who have been here since the start, and those of you just joining us. You make this show worth making, and those of you that choose to support us literally make the show possible. If you like magic items, maps, bonus content, stat blocks, music, the rewards on our Patreon are pretty hard to beat. If you'd like to be mentioned in the mid-roll on our legendary teams, or join the battle axis and have your character mentioned during an episode, check out the LUQ.com for more info, following the links to our Patreon. And while you're there, follow us on social media, check out the merch page, and give us a shout-out. Speaking of legendary patrons, our active teams are the Titans Rise, the Twilight Concord, the Forgotten Legacy, and this week's featured team, the Ceaseless Horde, with Dave Mladenoff, Daniel Pickens-Jones, Patch Perryman, and Jeff Ammons. If you like Pokemon, retro games, or just hanging out with folks like me and Zach, follow us on Twitch, where we stream throughout the week. Monday nights, we premiere new episodes of the LUQ with a Q&A afterwards, and Wednesdays, me and Zach play our cooperative Pokemon Soul Link Nuzlocke. And this week, we're starting my favorite gen with Pokemon Black White. The channel name is Slapdash Streams. If you have anything you'd like to send to Slapdash, like fan art, cryptic puzzles, or the elusive one-foot-by-one-foot wall-hanging art piece to decorate the studio between our sound panels, our P.O. Box is 230091 Tigered Oregon 97281. No homemade food, please. We're here because of you, even if this is your first time listening. And if it is, why start with Episode 8 of Season 2? That's a weird choice. Do yourself a favor and go check out the rest. There's so much content to binge and so much fun to be had over on our Discord with the nicest nerds on the internet. But that's enough out of me. Let's get you back to the battle axis. Whew. It's been a long road. Tomorrow we reach Midras. Kerwick, bust out the rations. I'm starving. Hmm. Let's see here. We've got uh, two salted sardines... Um, a chunk of dried flatbread, half-eaten squirrel sausage, and oh, hey, what looks like blue cheese. Oh, no, wait. It's just really, really old brie. You call yourself a hero, but this is how you grub down? That's just sad. Should have picked up a few cans of critical grits. Mm-hmm.
Crack the lid and stuff your face with well-balanced meals preserved for long stretches of travel. Rogue's Rations, on the lamb. Braised lamb with sweet potatoes and grilled onions. Fighter's Feast, flank and mince. Mint squash with flank steak and herb gravy. Warlock spread, blood and shadow. Blood sausage, forbidden black rice, and smoky gorgonzola. Or vegan druid's delight, the garlic grove. Rice, red onions, cherry tomatoes, wrapped in grape leaves with garlic sauce and a radish salad. Hard tack, that's a hard pass. Don't disrespect your stomach, eat your rations in fashion with critical grits. The pile of blood-red blankets begins to rise. From it crawls a tired old man. He lifts himself up on his palms and begins to rise higher. As he does so, you see that his belly does not end in a waist, but instead in the top half of an enormous torso composed entirely of severed limbs. Yikes! A great arm reaches out of the blankets, also composed of hands and feet, and he stands to his full height, towering above you, an amalgamation of the hundred corpses of the Wincott dead. The initiative order begins with Penny. You want to sleep? We'll give it to you. (laughs) I like that. Penny will begin to play a somber and haunting melody on her flutes, Something that she's getting strangely used to, I might add. And as she begins to play, all of the ambient blood in the room and in the air takes on a a soft red glow that brightens. And all the blood covering this creature lights up as she casts Fairy Fire. Ooh. That's very good. I like that. Glowing blood. Man, you got some good fairy fire shit, my dude. Oh, man, I picture like that underwater phosphorescent like liquid. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks cool. And so that's going to be a dexterity saving throw. From the pile of guts. <laughs> right? Yeah, he got, a, he got a very low dex. So uh, how's a 10 suit you? Ooh, that is lower than my 13. Perfect. He's made of hands. He should be really dexterous. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly just sinister. Oh, oh. boy. And so then uh, Penny's going to continue on. Welcome to the show, everyone. Let me introduce... Halifon Orison Jr. And then she starts to play. Da 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 da. Ta da. Okay, all right. I thought you were going to keep playing sad flute music and have his walk on be to this like dance macabre. <laughs> and she's going to give bardic inspiration to Hal. Beautiful. <laughs> hey. Showmanship. Beautiful. You feel the wash of inspiration pouring over you. You can almost feel the fans screaming your name. And that makes it Gaspar's turn. So as Gaspar runs past Hal, he says, If you don't mind, I will be your opener. Get to the right side of Great Uncle over here. Yeah. How far to the right? Like as in next to him? Yeah, all the way. And gesture for Hal to get over to the other side so we can flank this thing. Excellent. And then I'm going to try and cut as many arms off of this thing's arm as possible. <laughs> Perfect. Go ahead and roll me an attack. Get disarmed. Uh, that's a nine to hit. I like it. Oh, we have fairy fire. Yeah, you do. Very good. Good shout. 21 because of the fairy fire. That's much better. Is it? 
More than twice as better. <laughs> For a total of 15 points of damage. Hot dingus. How many arms do I cut off? <laughs> you cut free several hands and some errant foot that seems to be poking out of the arm. Why did you put a foot in your arm? And that makes it Hal's turn. Okay. I'll move to the wall so that it's more or less sandwiched between me and Gaspar. And then Hal is going to utilize the flanking and the fairy fire to make a cutting glaive. Beautiful. Yeah. So an attack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's going to hit him. It's an, it's an attack. That is, in fact, a natural 20. Yes. Excellent. It's a four and a 20. You remember Are when you I- using your divine smite? I am going to use my divine smite. <laughs> I'd be really it. dumb not to. Angelo, you did it. <laughs> Some people know about my power of forcing a roll. There you go. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, he did. He 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 inspired it, so. I, I called a 20 and blessed the die. Just saying. <laughs> D10. Just like the end of Princess Bride. Like, D10. Halifon, you did something right for once. Divine smite. <laughs> On hit. Expend one spell slot to desire extra radiant damage to the target. 2d8 for first level spell, plus an additional d8 if the target is undead. <laughs> this is probably going to be like 50 damage. Yeah, uh, yeah hang Six on. 6d8. Yeah, I was going to say, for I need... Gr- oh, more dice? I need, I need two more d8s. <laughs> Here. Let's fuck this uncle. <laughs> so on a crit... In his basement? Uh, on a crit with my glaive against an undead target with Divine Smite, ideal 2d10 plus 6d8 damage. Christ. Oh my fucking God. Get fucked. 16, 17, 24, 27, and even 40, right? Is that 38? Mm-hmm. 40 points of damage. Excellent. How badly off does it look? Given Hal's experience with luck and the very tight design of LUQ stat mechanics, you would say you probably took him down by half his HP. Okay. All right. Wowzers. As Hal Divine smites, the thin silver lines that are on his body start glowing. An orange sort of heated metal look. His eyes blaze with fire and he spends two of our glory to make a second attack. You hear, literally all of you hear emanating from your bracelets and then from all around you. <laughs> 19 on the die has a 23 against this hand monster. Hallelujah. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, that definitely fucking hits. So close to a crit, though. Oh, my fuck. Yeah, you have to have a feet to crit on a 19. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. Or it's maybe a fighter. Fighter ability? champion. I mean, champion, champion fighter. Not that I'm rooting for you guys to kill it in one fucking turn. This was definitely supposed to be a hard fight. <laughs> sure. Well, I'm out of spell slots, so I can't divine smite it again. So this sure, is sure. a meager d10 plus two damage. That's an eight, so 10 total. Nice. Mm. 50 damage this round. Lovely. Hack. Very, Slash. very impressive. Didn't have to spend all our glory. After a whopping 50 damage, you use the glaive to carve away large chunks of arms and legs, falling to the ground and then dissolving into grave ash. It reels back from the blast of explosive radiant damage as the man lying before you, who you presume is called Nepet, begins to crawl towards the great uncle. After delivering this crushing blow, Hal's going to look at the hand monster and just go, Still feeling confident, motherfucker? <laughs> And that makes it his turn. Why, yes, idiot child, I am. And he swings at you with his large arm of arms. His armies. And he gets an 18. 18 has hit me. Okay. 
That is... You take 10 damage as the massive hulk of undead flesh slams into you. Using his many hands make light work ability, he now gets a free attempt to grapple you. Go ahead and roll me an athletics check. I can do that. How about a natural 20 for a total of 24? Oh, that will absolutely do it. You can feel cold, clammy hands grasping at you, pulling at you, pinching at your skin, but you're able to pry yourself free and push yourself away from him. I grab one like they do in movies when somebody tries to punch and you just catch their punch and you throw it back. My hand's still glowing with hot metal. I say, hey, biggin, nobody calls me an idiot child but me mum. <laughs> and I throw his hand off of me. That's so sad. <laughs> Are we witnessing Hal in the zone? (laughs) (laughs) Really, though. Because he's killing it. Yeah, seriously. Literally. Yes. He does seem momentarily shocked by it, but not enough to prevent him from turning around and taking another swing at Gaspar. And, ooh, that's not great. That was a 10. That does not hit. I'm not surprised. The hand swings at you, and you can see as the flesh of the hands grind up against the stone wall behind you, peeling away flesh and bone. You need to work on your hand-to-hand coordination. (laughs) I like it. I love your guys' quippery. It's very good. Welcome to Spider-Man. And that makes it the end of his turn. Moving on to Iavos Isadora. So while his allies are engaged in this dance of combat and they're focusing on the enemy's weapons and what's happening in the melee, Iavos' eyes are drawn back to this horrible necromatic ring into the floor made of blood and fat. And something about it, he feels, is adding an energy to this room, the place where this creature is trying to sleep and regain its strength. So holding his hand out towards the unholy symbols on the floor, he's going to use his frostbite magic to create a layer of ice, which he'll immediately transmute into fire, creating a deluge of water to distort and warp the unholy symbols. Ooh, okay, okay. Can I arcana that? Yeah, please. Trying to bend my elemental magic here. Power word wash. Yeah. That is a 15. Yeah, that'll do it. All right. As the water begins to wash over it, it almost seems like it's insoluble. But then you push a little bit of your will in, as though you're not simply trying to have a physical effect on it with the water, but rather symbolically wash away the filth of it. And as you do, you see it start to bend and warp, and the symbol starts to dissolve. The sins of this place cannot be washed clean. But as for your magic... I can wipe it away. No, what are you doing? To which the young man, who you presume is Nepet, the erstwhile master of this house, pulls the blade from his liver, and as he does, it glows with a black energy. And he says, I don't know about them, but I'm freeing myself from this. And he takes the blade and jams it into his own heart and twists. As he does... You notice that some of the arms begin to fall off of the flesh golem. You can't. You can't. I need only to rest. I must rest. And that makes it Penelope's turn. Penelope is going to step forward, looking up at this creature. Do you really think that we would come here if we could not destroy you? (laughs) Nice reversal. And with that, I am casting Vicious Mockery. Ooh, that is going to be a wisdom saving throw. All righty. Despite his wicked fucking wisdom, he only gets a nine. Yay. Wicked. 
He takes two psychic damage, and more importantly, he gets disadvantage on his next attack. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Take that, Chongus. <laughs> <laughs> and that makes it Gaspar's turn. Gaspar is going to do some work on his legs and start chopping away. Excellent. Go ahead and give me some attacks. So that is a nine or a nine. Wow. So that is a 14 to hit. Excellent. That definitely hits. That is 11 points of damage. Beautiful. Katunk. He's barely holding himself together, quite literally, as body parts fall free. That makes it Halifon Orson's turn. I'm going to attack again. Do it. I'm out of spell slots, so we're just we're just doing this manually. How about an 18? Can't miss. An 18 definitely hits. That's a one, but because of my fighting style, I get to re-roll it. <laughs> Perfect. That's a three. Ooh, which is still three times as much as I rolled the first time. How's how's five damage sound? That's that is excellent. Yeah. The creature is going to devote all of his energy into killing Halifon. He steps forward, crushing the body of Nepet, and then just begins swinging. The first one is a miss. Second one is a miss. As pieces of him slough off, he seems to be losing himself in his fury, swinging at you wildly, the crushed body of his quote-unquote nephew beneath him. You hear a feeble voice coming from the young man. Start over, start over, start all over again, you son of a bitch. As wild swings come crashing down around you, totally ineffectual. And that makes it Iavos' turn. Iavos reaches for a tool that's been very useful throughout the dungeon, and he holds up a very large sewing needle and kind of looks through the eye of it at the golem on the other side. And as he holds it outward, it manifests into three magic missiles that fly through the air that latch onto the yarns holding this creature together and pass through, unraveling it like a sweater. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, that's so good. And Iavo says, it breaks my heart to tear a family apart. Play of the game! It's yeah. <laughs> calling it. Uh, 15 magic damage. More Holy shit. More than enough. I rolled four on yep. all the die. Wow. The ethereal needles catch the stray yarns, pulling and pulling and pulling. Arms and legs, organs begin to fall free of his great mass until eventually only the torso arms, and head of this feeble old man remain. I just need to rest. If only, if only I could rest. There is no rest here. And then I decapitate him. Mm. (laughs) Damn. I love it. Savage. So, the old man's body falls limp. But in his hand, his true hand, you see one final note. Zayavos reads the incantation over. He thinks of the other ones he's collected. Hal, you wanted to know when we would know the quest is over. And he takes the parchment and rips it in half. (sighs) Hal turns to you, the glow of the metal slowly fading and heat distortion radiating off of his skin and nods. As you make your way out of the dungeon, up the stairs, you hear no restless bodies clamoring at your flesh. 
you slide the door aside and see the dead before you. You see the bodies of the Wincott family strewn throughout the library and make your way past them, down the stairs and to the door. You open it, and instead of the rolling moors and the wheeled in the distance, you see only blackness, a welcoming sight after such grim work. And Granddaddy Izzy takes apart the great uncle in a spectacular geriatric showdown. I cannot believe the level of flavor that raisin puts into his spells. Truly an oatmeal cookie among church wafers. You seem thrilled, Dirk. Oh, I am. Like you can't even contain yourself. My heart is in my throat, and my underarms are like a swamp. Feel. Interesting symptoms, Dirk. Tell me, does your purse feel lighter? What's that? Your purse. Does it feel lighter? Oh. Indeed. Well, I put my money where my mouth was, and now I gotta kiss this Quinn goodbye. You called it, Rusty. I just know a well of quiet strength when I see one. Oh, 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 and what about that critical smite? Thank the gods for that killer swing. Yes, that's how smites usually work. No doubt the premier paladin of the novice rank earned himself some personal glory for that one. If this is the kind of power and style we can expect from Team Gold Dragon, their forge challenge can't be far off. No doubt the commissioner will be excited to have a hero-ranked team in his roster, but one cannot rush greatness, and these novices will need time to mature their skills if they intend to stay in the Axis League. And there's also no guarantee these rookies will want to stick with the commish when the time comes. Whatever the future holds for Team Gold Dragon, it's sure to be bright. Yikes. Fucking family matters. <laughs> family matters. Family splatters. <laughs> first uh, first oh. adventure in the battle axis. Yeah. It's indeed. Pretty gross. Pretty yeah. gross. <laughs> yeah. No, I love it. The horrors. I'm oh. a very horror-minded person. I was, I was like trying to think of other quests and all my mind could come up with was grim, dark shit. Yep, yep. So. Keep it in the family. I guarantee they won't be quite as gross as that one. <laughs> it's pretty gross. This one has a, a nice level of body horror. That's always good. 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 Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. I do like a body horror. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a Cronenbergian at heart. Mm-hmm. Who do? Michael do? Uh, yeah, it's either me or Zach. Zach, I think we're the only people who haven't done it. You want me to, Zach? Yeah, go nuts. All right. I've been talking enough. Yeah, that's fair. You're the DM. DMs have to talk a lot. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of the League of Ultimate Questing Battle Axis. What? <laughs> the end of what chapter two? What? Yeah, right. this is the end of chapter this two. This is the end of chapter two. If We're, you don't like it by now, you're not gonna. <laughs> that might not be true. Oh, no. It's Hopefully only gonna get better. our characters are growing on you. No, I think I'll get better. Or glowing on you. Hmm. <laughs> don't give me that fucking look. <laughs> Zach, Zach disappoint emote. Yeah. Yeah. In the chat. We're going to go around the table just in case you haven't figured out who we are yet. My name is Michael Loving. I'm going to start with me because that's where we usually start, even though it seems weird for me being the one doing the outro. Right. I play Halifon Orison Jr., the Osimar Undead Murderer. Osimar. Yeah. I think that's actually how you say it. It is. Asimar sounds kind of silly. Double A usually makes an awesome. Yeah, exactly. And you got to do it like that. Ah. Yeah. Next to me is. 
Angelo Kaluog. I play Gaspar, the headless rogue who now is juggling heads. It's Angelo, not Angelo, because there's only one A. I felt bad about the fact that the last big fight you got, you didn't get a head out of it. I think that's fine. It's been... Gaspar isn't happy about it, but mm. I, I like that there's a bit of resentment and frustration building up in Gaspar. There you go. <laughs> I just really like a nice dose of resentment There's and a storm brewing inside the of him. The heads should be good. special heads. Every, yeah. every head, yeah. and then he loses value. When he, finally, when he finally blows his top, heads will roll. Uh. Mm. Hello, my dearlings. It is Dana dearlings. playing Penny. Thank yes, you. welcome to the Fondum. Oh no! The resident bard block. <laughs> Love it. Listen, Love you it all. wouldn't be a Michael outro if there weren't the maximum possible number of I puns. I guess fucking so. I'm Law. I play Ayavos Isadora, witness to the Withering Acre, and creative go. director of Slapdash. And I am Zach Barkas, the dungeon master and producer for Slapdash Studios. I also want to thank Hediger the Editor and Bree Golden, who you can find at Golden Stylus, Patreon.com/slash Golden Stylus. I want to ask everybody who they think the play of the game was. There's a lot of good fucking moments. There were, there were some moments. The Ooh. I feel like the critical divine smite jumps to the top of my that's, list. That is, that's, that's I was a, really on point for a, for a couple rounds. There. Yeah. yeah, my my three pointer with the with the that was last episode. Dirt, wasn't it? No, I think that was before the midpoint, wasn't it? That was the no. That was the end of last episode. Yeah, it was the end of last episode. Oh, that was the end of last episode. And it blurs. It blurs together, man. Yeah. We, we've been joking around that we needed to cleanse your dice, mm-hmm. and then yeah. I just. Yeah. I cleansed it real quick. Yeah. yeah, didn't even make a ceremony out of it. I mean, it, it could be not an NPC, but in fact, Angelo just actually blessing your dice and having right. it work. That's the yeah. MVP. <laughs> even be, Zach did, did the somatic components. Yeah. I think An- Angelo so, himself gets MVP. My dice have wow. now been touched by an Angelo. I'm glad nobody. I'm glad nobody thinks. I'm glad nobody thinks Nepet should be MVP because one redeeming action does not undo the fact yeah. that he condemned the souls of his entire family to the equivalent of a living hell. Well, was that, wasn't his redeeming action killing himself yes. too? Suicide's not a redeeming action. It is when the Unless reason. You're Hitler. Well, the reason why he not, summoned. No, actually, I'm just. I'm going to walk that even. one back. Not even then. <laughs> yeah. Well, the reason why he why he why it was a big deal is because he literally let himself do horrible things to not die, like okay. and to not be insane. Like, okay, All he right. was a very selfish boy. Well, I do nominate Hal for yeah. play of the game. Yes, because you just you can't fake crits. That is natural performance. That's just um, that's what it is. I'm, I actually want to nominate Law for MVP, if only because of the rock solid fucking like flavor mm. and like context shit that he played out there. Yeah. Beautiful shit. The, Top tier. The 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 kill blow was uh, that was pretty good. I and fully line agree. Accompanying it, and Law also just carried the narrative by uh, volunteering to read all the notes. Yes, thank you, <laughs> thank you. Wasn't in this episode, but it was fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that gives us play of the game and uh, MVP for the episode. Uh, so now I think it's just down to the regular outro stuff, uh-huh. such as. Thank you for listening. Make sure that you have visited theluq.com where you can find player bios for all of the season one and season two cast. You can find links to our various projects there. It's where we probably link any shout outs that we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also links to social media, which is the other obviously good place to look for shout outs for things that we're doing because the podcast is kind of limited by when we record it, as you can imagine. There's also links to the merch store, to our Discord, which you should absolutely join. Mm -hmm. There have been people who have been joining who have been saying, I've been putting it off, and I really regret that. Yeah. People who join and then, like, immediately jump to high tiers of Patreon and, like, spend all their time there, and I'm like, fuck yeah. (laughs) The best time to join our Discord was a while ago. 
the second best time is right now. Yeah. You should go mm-hmm. and you should do that unless you're driving, in which case wait till you stop. That's not safe. I think people are really shocked that we're so interactive. We specifically had somebody be like, hey, um, I honestly wasn't expecting you guys to respond. Like, wow, the cast is here. Is like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I spend a lot of time home with my son. I'm on Discord not infrequently. In yeah. fact, I'll say hello. Yeah. So will Law. So will Zach. I work in an office. I'm... I always have all my social Dana open has in nothing the second better tab. to do. Yeah, exactly. Right. You will never hear from Angelo. I just emote everything. <laughs> yeah. And Angelo, yeah, Angelo is check every emote. Some of them yeah. will be a hidden Angelo. <laughs> Angelo, Angelo is a rogue. He just lurks in the shadow. I, he just I lurks sneak in the, in the Discord. Discord. That's all he does. Yeah, beautiful. All right. Anything else we need to cover before I I luck us out? I think that's it. All right. Well, in that case, thank you everyone so much for joining us for chapter two. Join us next fucking Monday. <laughs> For chapter, th- the beginning of chapter three, and until then, we wish you luck. Woo! Take the place of another. Choose a subject bearing as near a similarity to yourself as possible. Make note of the first words they utter to you. Acquire the hair of the subject. Dissolve in acid. Dilute neutralize, and consume. The subject is now marked. Establish the trust of the subject. The greater their faith, the more likely their sublimation. Acquire one each of blood, flesh, and bone of the subject's parentage, and consume. Prepare a ritual circle, tallow candles, of one's own fat. A blade carved of bone, preferably one's own. Family members of either party will do. Tie conscious subject to ritual circle. Subject must remain alive at all times. Light candles repeating first words the subject spoke to you at each ignition. Speak the subject's name three times, driving the bone blade into the liver. Drain subject of all blood and drink. Sleep on a bed of earth and awaken in the birthplace of the subject. Your flesh will be as theirs at the moment they became marked. If trust of subject was secured, the soul will sublimate with no desire to haunt your corpus.